Hello, and welcome back to this week's installment of the PC Speaking Podcast. This week, we are talking about the discipline of worship. We're going to be reading from John chapter 4, verse 23. If you'd like to follow along, this is what it says. Yet the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeks such to worship him. The discipline of worship, um, we're talking specifically about corporate worship. You know, there's individual worship um, that can happen, but we're talking about what happens um, when a church comes together, generally on Sunday morning, and holds a worship service. You know, what churches do, what happens when they come together as a church for worship. And generally that involves a few different things, singing some songs, reading some Bible verses, and listening to a sermon. That's kind of the general format. And for that to happen, church staff, church volunteers um, do their best to create an environment that fosters worship. But those things don't necessarily guarantee that worship will happen. Worship, or more so the proper way to worship, we could say, has been a somewhat contentious topic among churches during my time in ministry. The tools used for worship, the way worship is expressed, the environment we create, the kind of music that's used, uh, people have a, the instruments that are used. People have a very broad range of opinions on those things. And there's been a few times where I've had people tell me that they just can't worship in certain environments or some kinds of churches and things unless unless worship is done in a certain kind of way. And when I hear that, I think of Paul and Silas when they were arrested and flogged and then imprisoned. But then in midnight, at, at midnight, they're praying and singing praise to God. And I'm thinking, well, if, if Paul and Silas can do that, be arrested, flogged, imprisoned, and sing praise, we could probably pull it off in an air-conditioned building. And the reality is, is that whatever happens in any given church, anywhere in the world, during a worship service, as far as songs, liturgical things, order of service, all that stuff is really about 80% a product of culture and preferences and a lot less than that to do with what scripture actually directs. And sometimes I've often thought life would be much easier you know, had the Bible given us very specific direction in regards to worship, sing these songs at this tempo, at this volume, and then speak this long on this topic, follow this outline, and then you've conducted worship. But the Bible doesn't do that because those things are not what makes worship happen anyway. And that's not what God seeks from us. Again, our scripture says, yet the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeks such to worship him. God seeks people who worship him in spirit and truth. And as a Christian, our concern should be, how do I become one of those people who worship God in spirit and in truth? And one of the most important factors in worship that's often overlooked or maybe even unknown for a lot of people is personal preparation for worship. Preparation is imperative to worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth. Obviously, there's a lot of preparation that goes into making any church service happen. Um, they don't just pop out of nowhere. A lot of work is put into 
you know, it depends on the church. Uh, newsletter, social media posts, worship team has songs to work on. There's practices to be done. There's scheduling to be done. There's volunteers to organize. I do a lot of preparation for the Sunday message in my church. And people who are involved in service in different ways put a lot of work into making sure that church happens. And we should be grateful for those people and the effort that they make. In all of that preparation, however, it's easy to forget individual preparation for worship. The preparations we should all be making every week in anticipation of worship because proper preparation ensures acceptable worship. We come into worship, you know, most churches have worship on Sunday, but we come in with with different attitudes, different feelings. Everyone's had a different kind of week. Um, People coming from different places, different backgrounds. A lot of things have happened. Who knows what's going on that morning? And it's very easy to show up at church on Sunday morning with, what have you got for me today, God, attitude. And I've had a terrible week. I want to leave here happy. God, I want you to bless me. I want you to make me feel better. But if you come into worship with it, you know, what am I going to get out of this attitude? You're, you're most likely going to end up disappointed. You know, that's not to say that you won't leave feeling better, but our attitude should be, I am here to worship the Father in spirit and truth, regardless of circumstances or the songs we sing or what the sermon is about. My priority today is to worship the Lord. One of the crucial elements for that to happen is proper preparation. And a lot of us probably don't put in that preparation or maybe don't even think about it. But the quality of corporate worship is dependent on the degree of your individual preparation. And think about that. Not just the pastor study or the worship team practice or what all the volunteers have done, but what have each of us done as individuals and families to prepare for worship. And the discipline of worship involves more than just showing up at church on Sunday. It involves preparation. And if you're willing to make preparation for worship, you will increase the quality and sincerity of the worship that you offer to God with other believers. And the very first preparation is an understanding that is going to foster worship. You know, there are a lot of religions in the world, obviously, Um, I've looked at numbers in the past, but I can't even begin to remember how many there are, but there are many. There's even a lot of collective wisdom among those religions. You know, a lot of them have uh, wise things to say, smart things to say. So I think sometimes different religions are made up of cultural wisdom that's been collected over a long period of time and then brought together under the representation of some kind of deity or spirituality of some sort. And if you remove the trappings of the idols and spirituality involved with, with all of that, sometimes it's, there's some pretty good advice there. Some of it's good stuff. And sometimes you even find there are some similarities in things that the Bible says and what other religions teach. Many religions even have a historical figure who's part of that religion, an important and wise leader or whatever. And a lot of secular people, Even some atheists see Jesus that way. He's a great teacher. He's very wise. But there's something that sets Christianity apart, that that parts ways with that kind of thinking. A lot of people agree that there's good stuff in the Bible, a lot of good advice, good ways to live, all that kind of stuff. But Christianity 
is not founded on good advice. Um, it's not found on nice ways to live. Christianity is founded in a historical event, the resurrection of Jesus. Churches don't gather on Sunday to obtain wisdom. Not to say that can't or doesn't happen, but we gather to worship our resurrected Savior. What we believe is based on the knowledge that Jesus died on the cross, he was buried and rose again three days later. And when we place our trust in him, we share in his resurrection. It's in that understanding that preparation for worship truly begins. When we have that understanding, then we can begin practical preparation for worship. You know, church starts at whatever time it does on Sunday morning. Um, at our church, we start at 9.35 in the morning on Sunday. Um, I guess, I don't know. I can't remember why we changed it. People were probably showing up five minutes late, so we bumped it back five minutes, but then they just tend to show up five minutes later. But it really doesn't matter what time church starts. Worship begins well before that time, at least in practical ways. One of the best decisions you can make in preparation for worship is to make your Sunday morning decisions on Saturday. And this is especially applicable if you're a family, even more so if you have young kids. Uh, It should be a foregone conclusion that you're going to church on Sunday. Uh, But many of the decisions that go along with attending worship service should be made before Sunday. My wife, Christine, was always a pro at this. Um, When our kids were small, they're adults now, but when our kids were small, sometimes we would get up at three in the morning, and this is when I was in seminary, and we would drive for hours so I could speak at a church, and then we'd turn around right after service and drive all the way back home. And if you're going to get kids out of bed that early and ready for church and keep a reasonably sane attitude amongst the family, it requires some pretty solid preparation. It requires making Sunday morning as easy as possible. The kids knew on Saturday that the next morning we were going to church. That's just what we did. Clothes were picked out the night before. Breakfast was decided the night before. You know, you might even make it something special or something they like. Positive association does not hurt, especially if you're getting up early and things like that. But whatever needed preparation for Sunday was done on Saturday, and that made Sunday morning far more peaceful. You know, it wasn't always smooth, but most of the time it was pretty good. And uh, I have to give credit to my wife for that. She did a great job. But it doesn't matter if you're an adult or single or married with kids or without kids, the same principles principles apply. Worship really begins the day before. And if you practice good practical preparation, then what that does is it allows room for spiritual preparation. But you will not have spiritual preparation for worship without practical preparation. We're so busy with everything and have so much information coming at us all the time, we can forget how important it is to build space into our life and to give ourselves room for spiritual preparation for worship service. And often, Most people have had a long week. They've been very busy. There are things that you need to get done, and all of that kind of stuff gets heaped onto Saturday. And then there's, you know, kids' activities and all these different things that happen on Saturday. And then by the end of the day, you might crash in front of the TV for a little bit, and then you go to bed. And if you don't intentionally make space for spiritual preparation for worship through practical preparation, the spiritual preparation will not happen. 
It's just impossible. You know, if Sunday morning rolls around and you're lying in bed deciding whether or not you're going to go to church, if you're trying to make decisions like that, if you're, you know, arguing with your spouse and your kids, you're looking for your shoes, deciding what to wear, wondering why there's no milk in the fridge, there will be zero preparation for worship. Spiritually speaking, it's it's just not going to happen. But if you've made the space for it through practical preparation, they're too simple but specific elements involved in spiritual preparation. And the first one is what we talked about last week, petitionary prayer. We pray for worship. Pray that people will come together for worship. Pray for the people who will be part of the worship service. Pray for the volunteers. Pray for the people who've been working on putting it together all week. Pray uh, for the people who are coming, whatever struggles they may be facing. Pray for your worship team. Pray for your pastor. Pray for the sermon. Pray that everyone will come together with the proper attitude for worship. Um, when it comes to church attendance, I've learned not to worry too much about numbers. I mean, you never fully don't worry about that kind of thing, but I've learned to worry, not worry too much about, you know, how many people show up in attendance. You know, if a church is working just to fill seats, we probably need to reconsider our focus. But at the same time, a group of people coming together is different than being on our own. And a larger group of people coming together is different than a smaller group of people coming together. It just is. And you know, you can listen to a song on the radio or listen to a sermon on a podcast, but it's not the same as hearing it with a group of believers. I mean, you you know that difference. If you've ever been to a concert and seen uh, a band or an artist that you really liked, it's entirely different seeing them live with a huge crowd than it is, say, listening to them on the radio. And, you know, I'm grateful for the technology we have. Obviously, I put out a podcast, but listening to a podcast or listening to the radio is not the same thing as attending a worship service in person. It's not the same thing. Which leads to the next element of spiritual preparation, and that is expectation. Corporate worship, in, it enables a different quality of worship. It's, it's different. It's a different kind of worship. And we show up at church in expectation of that. It's not an expectation of some great bit of wisdom from the sermon or entertaining music. Now, if you do that, then you're placing expectation on your fellow worshipers. And again, you're probably going to end up disappointed. It's the expectation of coming together with other believers to experience the presence of God and glorify God together. And that's done with the understanding that the people around you have come together in expectation of the same thing. And the quality of corporate worship is reliant on your preparation on your prayer, and on your expectation of meeting with others to worship God. The environment, the songs, the sermon have a lot less to do with worship than your attitude and your expectations. When we've, when we've made the right preparations, we can then come together and worship in spirit and in truth. Again, our verse, John 4, 23 says, Yet the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeks such to worship Him. To offer the kind of worship God seeks, it must 
be worship that is done in spirit and truth. And let's talk about truth first. To worship in truth means that our worship is informed by truth. To worship God in truth, we must know him. We must understand who he is, at least to the best of our abilities, because you can't worship what you don't know. Our worship must be informed by the gospel. You know, our, po- our passage says the Father seeks such to worship him. And if you're not worshiping informed by the gospel, believing the gospel, knowing Jesus as your Savior, God is not your Father, and you do not know him as your Father. And that's who God seeks to worship him, those who know him. And you must be informed by that truth to worship the Father in truth. And God has the power to save And he does so through the gospel. When you put your faith and your trust in Jesus, you share in his resurrection. But that's not all God has the power to do. In Luke chapter 12, verse 4, Jesus says, I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that can do no more. But I will warn you whom you shall fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. See, God has the power to save, and he has the power to cast into hell. We also worship informed by the truth that God is the righteous judge who condemns sin and has the power to cast into hell. Now, why would you talk about hell when you're talking about worship? Because if worship is informed by the knowledge of that truth, it will heighten It will intensify worship because that truth will infuse us with a healthy sense of reverence and fear. And lastly, worship must be done in spirit. Jesus says true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Now, make a special note of this. The S in spirit is a small s not a capital S. So when Jesus says uh, uh, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit, he's not talking about the Holy Spirit. He's not referring to the Holy Spirit. He's referring to our spirit, who we are inside. We must worship him in truth, but we must also worship him with who we are from the inside out. And worship is not something we do externally. Now, external expression may be a byproduct of worship, That's not what I'm saying, but that's not where it starts. That's not where it happens. It happens inside. That's where worship is at. And the Bible talks about vain worship in a few places, you know, empty worship, meaningless worship. And if our ability to worship is reliant on the kind of week we had or something to make us feel good or a certain environment or certain music or being able to act in a certain way. That's not worship in the spirit. That's worship in the flesh because it's not coming from inside. And that's what God seeks. If worship does not come from our spirit, from who we are inside, it doesn't happen. It's not worship in spirit and truth. If we're singing a song, but thinking about what happened the past week, we're not worshiping in spirit or truth. If we're, you know, if a sermon is going on, but we're thinking about what we're going to have for lunch, we're not worshiping in spirit or truth. And if that's the case, we're only present at a worship service and not participating as part of the body of Christ. 
When we worship in spirit from the inside out, that's that's where all the decisions and discipline culminate. All that preparation, that's where, where everything comes together. We make the decision to worship and discipline ourselves to follow through. So this week, make practical preparation and then spiritual preparation for worship. Be who the Father seeks to worship Him. Then we intend worship next week. You can say, I have prepared well and I am here to worship now. Well, thanks again for tuning in and I appreciate you listening and I hope that you'll take these things and prepare for worship as you go worship with your church next week. Have a great week.